Radio. Coming at you live February 4th, 2017, after a very long and much-needed hiatus from all the hustle and bustle of life itself. Um, Christmas was good. Yeah. Oh, yes, very well. Yeah. Very good. It was all right. Uh, I didn't get much of anything because when you're an adult, people don't buy you presents anymore. They just expect you to do that for them, and then they just kind of fuck off and die. Yep. So at this point, you just kind of get yourself something. So I got an Oculus Rift. I got a new video gaming card. And I say it like that because I'm extremely ignorant when it comes to computer stuff. So uh, it's really good. I get to play all the games in super high quality now. So I can fuck off all my consoles and just play that. Um, I don't know. What about you? Oh, well, I'm Let's not talk about du- Christmas because this is exactly I'm not what this a douchebag like Dane, so I'm not going to list off the stuff that I got for Christmas. <laughs> well, I got this, it for myself. Suffice it to say, though, no, I got at my house the stuff usually gets more expensive and smaller as you get older. Does it? Yeah. Like and what? What? What did you get? Did you actually get something from your wonderful other parents? Of, and of stuff? course, of course. My like mom what? and dad always uh, get us something. They even told us not to get them anything because it was just about us this year for whatever reason I don't know I got an Apple watch and um, a new tablet which I don't really use but um, it's still cool to have and yeah. I got some very wonderful movies and a very wonderful movie collection courtesy of um, uh, you yeah actually. I did I got you what the Halloween blu-ray collection and then what else the Friday the 13th television series on DVD which <laughs> I didn't even know existed Okay, have you actually watched that? Have you gone through that at all? No, I went. I put the first CD in, and I watched the first five minutes of the first episode, and sure. I turned it off. Well, I mean, so what you said was it has... So to Abs- recap, there is a Friday the 13th television series. What year did that start uh, to air? In 87. It came out the same year as the Nightmare on Elm Street TV show came out. But whereas the Nightmare on Elm Street TV show kind of functioned as an anthology, Tales of the Crypt kind of show, with Freddy Krueger being like the host of the show, sure. the Friday the 13th television show has absolutely nothing to do whatsoever with the Friday the 13th television series. Okay. Jason's not mentioned or seen. There's no mention of Crystal Lake. There's not even really, there's a lot of murder and deaths. Sure. But it's definitely not a slasher show. Sure. It's um, it's quite different and quite odd, and um, yeah. Okay. Uh, so what is it like? What is it actually about? Well, it's about this shop owner who owns uh, the uh, this antique store, and all the antiques are cursed, apparently. And then he ends up losing his soul to the devil, or whatever. Sure. And then his nephews or cousins or whatever come and take over the store. Mm-hmm. And then the whole series apparently is them episode by episode trying to get back all the antiques the cursed antiques yeah they apparently grant wishes but most of them come at a cost usually human sacrifice or sure. whatever oh come on and then there's also some wait uh, so hold on go back what comes at a cost of human fucking sacrifice yeah what is it it they uh, it'll grant a wish or it'll grant you power or uh Jesus money Christ. or so it's basically like uh stephen king's needful things except it's not free. You have to kill something for it. Yeah, it usually so it's worse. Usually, by the end of the episode, who's doing this? What characters are doing this? What characters need something so badly that they're going to sacrifice another life for whatever thing? Whatever they even character bought the antique at the store or whatever. Are they are like like compelled to do it once they touch it or see yeah. it or anything? Is it like something come over them, or is everybody in this show so fucking crazy enough that they'll want one thing more than? You know, it takes to actually murder somebody, which I guess if you're wishing for like five or ten million dollars, maybe you would murder somebody for that. 
But I, I don't, but I don't think is, I couldn't see myself killing anything for anything else. The devil, demon, whatever is responsible for this requires continually more and more sacrifices, and eventually, usually, from what I've read, the owner of the cursed antique will lose their own life or soul at the end of the episode. Oh well, that's that's just perfect. And apparently, there's also some X Files mythology episodes esque X Files esque mythology. Like there's like so they have like the little antiques and the items and stuff, but there's like a long running series well, of stories going on interwoven. Like this is some sort of masterpiece of film and television. A little bit. It's just basically episodes that kind of develop the character of the grandpa or whatever, or the store. Or character of the grandpa. He dies in the, the. See, I turned it off after. There's his, a grandpa. His. He's the owner. Does this revolve around a town, a place, or like a set number? of I characters? only watched the first five minutes. Well, so you need to watch more because these questions need to be answered. Well, I'm actually waiting for you to free, get some free time so we can watch it together. Together? No, fuck off. You can just give me the spark notes of this shit. <laughs> I could care less. So uh, apparently, though the. Show show um is a lot higher quality than the nightmare on elm street tv show which uh, from what i see wait what show is the night uh, friday the 13th there's an oh there Freddy's oh my nightmares. god you're so right uh, that that fucking documentary i forgot that they they talked about the tv show for a short period yeah but that actually had freddy krueger in it yeah but it was stupid he serves as kind of like a tales of the crypt type character that introduces two anthology shorts in every episode really the first episode oh i thought it was the show actually revolved around mm, freddy krueger well, the first episode apparently shows freddy's origins and his trial right before he was murdered. isn't that where they get most of the canon of his origin story was from that pilot of that uh, television series oh it was sprinkled throughout the series and throughout the film that was like the true like one shot of hey this is how this guy came to rape kids and be burned alive well then after the last numbered sequel in the series yeah. came out freddy's dead the final nightmare i kind of retconned the um tv show pilot but it, the pilot itself is still apparently a pretty good origin story for freddy it's all the origin that you need That's really just retarded but at least it had something to do, and it featured the iconic character of the fr- franchise. Yeah. The Friday the 13th is t- the TV series. Yeah. Um, apparently, there were there was plans for the final episode to revolve around Jason's hockey mask being the last antique that the, they had to collect. Sure. But for whatever reason, oh, it God, never came to fruition. That sounds so fucking stupid. I'm sorry, dog. That sounds really bad. Um, but I do remember the documentary talking about how like low budget and terrible quality that that night, TV show was, Freddy's and nightmares. they talked about that it was so low budget that they just kind of fucked off and did whatever they wanted to, mm. and that happens a lot with TV shows that aren't given like a big amalgam of money. Like uh, you could take like Louis' show back in its first couple seasons, uh, which is called Louis, on FX. You know, he was only making those episodes for like a hundred, two hundred thousand uh, uh, an episode, which is nothing when you see that most television episodes cost like one point two to two mil. Mm-hmm. They were giving him fuck off money, so they told him to do whatever he wanted. And apparently, that's how a lot of those loaded budgets are. And Friday the or Friday the Thirteenth, Freddy Krueger. Uh, was a perfect example because uh, well, they is, just they just did what they wanted. It is interesting. Both TV shows shared cast members not only with each other and uh, crew members from their respective uh, film series. Yeah, it was kind of cool that there was some crossover, like Tom Lulligan, I think I don't know what his name Tom is. Tom Lulligan, but he directed Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, w- uh, and uh, he also directed a couple episodes of both the Nightmare on Elm Street show and the Friday sure. the Thirteenth show. Yeah, there was a couple of actors that made appearances in the Friday the Thirteenth film series that um, made appearances in the TV show. The lead actor, the lead male of the f- show, 
Friday the 13th show was actually the male lead in Jason Goes to Hell, I think. Yeah. Which came out after the show ended. And so there, there was some connective tissue there in the sense of who was <laughs> the powers that be yeah. who were behind the show. Yeah. Like Frank Mancuso Jr., who was the producer of all of the Paramount Friday the 13th, was the person who was spearheading the show. Yeah. And it was his intention to break away from the formula of the Friday the 13th series to do the show. You're kidding, right? Mm-mm. This time, this was I mean, it looks like the movies, at least, right? No, the, that's what they said in the documentary, that the first couple of episodes, specifically the pilot, they actually did take their time and care, tried to create something of quality, but sure. it quickly divulged into low-budget, campy nonsense. So, l- let's see, did... Uh, Wes have anything to do with this fucking show? No, Wes kind of washed his hands clean of the series until um, he had some producing and co-writing credits for the uh, Dream Warriors, I think. But he, other than that, he didn't really come back to the fold in a major role until uh, 94 when he did New Nightmare. That's when Bob Shea asked him to come back and revive the series for one last time because the reception to Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare, was so awful. Was it was it terrible, right? No, it was terrible. It was it was bad. It was, yeah. it, it's a straight up comedy, uh, honestly. Yeah. Um so yeah, no. Well, I mean, there's that a little slice <laughs> he, um, of horror history. He does actually note in the um uh, documentary Wes Craven when he saw the poster for the TV show, he yeah. noted that they were going to milk this franchise for everything it was worth. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they did. But Paramount was the same way with Friday the 13th. They mm. never saw that series as anything other than a cash cow that needed to be milked. Yeah. Much like our Slater films coming up later this year and in the last year as well. Eh, I, I don't know. I kind of disagree with you. I don't know. You look. I, at I the thought the last year at least had some good ones. Like if you lo- look at, we're looking at the list right now, movies that came out that were considered the best of 2016. I saw most of these. Um, did you get to see anything other than just like the normal shit? Um, on the list of what we're looking at right now, no. I, there were movies I wanted to go see, like Arrival and uh, Zootopia. Uh, La La Land, maybe. I'm kind of a cynic when it comes to musicals, but I've heard it's pretty good. I yeah. want to at least give it a shot before I pass judgment. Yeah. But most of the movies I did see in the theaters were either horror films, obviously, yeah. or sequels that I were excited for, like Independence Day Resurgence, one of the more notable <laughs> belated sequels that came out that really underperformed I mean, the box office. I, I, I'm sad that you didn't get to see a lot of the good standalone movies this year because oh, it doesn't really give... 2016 credit if all you saw was the Independence Day sequel. You know, the considered the worst movie of 2016? I, I, I didn't think it was that oh, bad. Oh, come on, man. I haven't seen it, it's but it literally better, it's gotten a better, everyone it, puts it at number one. It got a better score than Batman v Superman or Suicide It got a better Squad. score, but at, at the critics list of the end of the year, it's literally the top of every single one. Not because I... I and I'm, I'm seeing a trend and it's... A lot of these movies aren't picked to be so horrible, at least from 2016. They're unnecessary. Because they're so horrible. Right. Because they're so fucking unnecessary. No one, I mean. No one asked for it, and it's just bloated, samey shit. 
it, no, it's essentially a remake of the first movie without Will Smith, and Will Smith was such a reason why the first film did so well and was so uh, well I mean, regarded. He, he, he draws at least three hundred mil just by showing his fucking face. He, but um, it's interesting that um, he didn't. He chose to do Suicide Squad instead of Independence Day two. Yeah, and Independence Day two ended up getting the better reviews, but Suicide Squad did better at the box office. So yeah. probably Will Smith probably did have something to do with that. Sure. I mean, it's also a superhero movie, and yeah. it was guaranteed to make a killing no matter yeah. what. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But, but uh, you also well. saw a sharp. But those in that genre specifically, superhero movies, um, not the Marvel movies, obviously, they yeah. maintained their high quality and high standards and breaking records. Sure. But with well, regards I mean, to yeah, everything, the Marvel movies did. Regards to everything else, the X Men series, the newly established DC movies, the superhero movies in those categories took a nosedive in quality in reviews and box office sure. in comparison to Marvel. Sure. And, um, the, the suffering from sequelitis or just um, I don't really know what what the issue there was. I didn't think Batman v Superman or Suicide Squad were that bad. You would disagree with me, obviously. No, they're they're fucking terrible. But, we should do an episode just on the DC versus Marvel universe conundrum because the DC movies have um, sucked. There was another high profile sequel that noticeably bombed. Uh, Alice in Wonderland two came out and it. The non-Tim Burton sequel to one of Tim Burton's highest-grossing films. But one of his least well-received films as well. Yeah, because it was green-screen nonsense. It was just basically like Sin City, but well, in another world. It well, was just complete green-screen bullshit. It well, was an animated film with some characters thrown in. Well, that's the thing. That's why it did so well. It's because it was coming off the heels of Avatar, and 3D IMAX was the newest big thing at the time. And it came out sure. at the right time. Yeah. And um, it had Johnny Depp still at the height of his commercial pow- prowess. Yeah. Um, his uh, commercial appeal has since dipped noticeably in the last couple of years. Um, I bet. We'll, I'm. I'm betting that this year with uh, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean five, we will see probably a noticeable drop people, in box office. People are getting onto his shit. They're starting to realize that he played some good characters, but now that's all he wants to do is well, play characters, and they're not so good anymore. They're literally just. He's just when he gets the script, he wants to know that if it's a character, does it have a funny hat? Can he put an accent on it? <laughs> What's no? What's really bad though about the Alice in Wonderland sequel is that it has one of the highest drops, uh, percentage drops of sequel, you know, from original to sequel in the box office. Mm-hmm. It dropped almost eighty percent. Eighty percent. It barely made back its tremendous budget, and it was written off of as one of Disney's biggest financial failures. Jesus Christ! No, yeah. <laughs> It came out the same weekend as Independence Day 2, and Independence Day 2 ended mm. up doing better business. But and, and even though Independence well, Day... Well, it played off the nostalgia, because who didn't remember watching Independence Day in the 90s? Independence Day 2 did solid business. It definitely didn't reach the 400 They ain't going to make a fucking third one just on the critic no. reviews alone. That was another thing, too, and that is a reoccurring problem within these belated sequels and franchise starters, is that they spend so much time setting up the next insol- installment. Yeah. It doesn't feel like we're watching a completed movie or a full movie. It sure. feels like we're watching the first part of a trilogy. Yeah. And that's one thing that's really starting to kill the business is because people are getting tired of needing to watch more movies or sure. not getting all the information that they need. Right. But we will talk about the business once we move into the next year because the next year is going to have some shit thrown on it. Mm-hmm. But at least for 2016, you didn't see most of the standalone movies. I got to actually see most of these. So Manchester by the Sea. 
I mean, how best to describe this? It's literally about a sad man that goes and does sad things, and then at the end of it, he's still sad. And he's played by Casey Affleck, who does amazing as the I've sad man. I've heard some controversy about him being nominated for an Academy Award. Apparently, there's some rape allegations against him or whatnot. From who? Uh, like actresses or from the movie itself? Um. Yeah, um, th- I don't know. It was somebody who wrote a report. I can't remember what, but she said that she was so offended that Casey Affleck was nominated for an Academy Award, giving that his history. Um, it maybe had something to do with the uh, role he was playing in the film. Um, I don't really know much about that other than that. All right, well, here's an article from The Guardian about Casey Affleck. Casey Affleck, Affleck seems poised for grade A movie stardom. Blah, 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 it's blah, blah, blah. Ben Affleck's blah. brother, right? Of course. His name is Affleck. I was just making sure. You know, there's not a lot of Afflecks in Hollywood. Here was a... Affleck. Affleck denied wrongdoing and settled both claims in 2010. Two female colleagues who worked with Affleck on I'm Still Here, which was that mockumentary he directed, the one that was about Joaquin Phoenix, you know, becoming a rap star. Um, apparently, what was it? Two female colleagues... Bragged about sexual exploits, propositioning and grabbing one of the girls, sliding into another girl's bed uninvited and creating a hostile climate between them all. Which I'm sure he... I'm not going to deny that. If they literally said he outright raped us, I'm not going to deny it. Oh, I would deny that, but just uh, he's he's being a dick. It sounds kind of like a lot of the uh, sex abuse allegations on Hollywood. Vague Vague and unclear. Yeah, he's just being a dick. He's getting drunk, he's living off of his power a little bit, and he's being a dick. Was so it good, So it was probably a bad thing, but, I mean, was his career has still soared on. Was the movie good? Manchester by the Sea, I can't, see, I can't really name it as good or bad. I personally, in any film that a, a main character doesn't, like, um, kind of develop and progress in any sort of way, shape, or form, I don't really like that kind of movie. He uh, doesn't really grow much? No, not really. He doesn't He doesn't do much except he's sad. He goes through sad things. And the movie fucks you up because it does give him a lot of chances just to get out of this weird depressive state that he's in. Well... You know, he can... Not to do spoilers, but he could start a new family, have a new life, have a new home, live in a new place. But there's something holding him back because he's going back to the town that he kind of grew up in. His brother lived in for his life, but he moved out to Boston quite some time past... Uh, for a very, very traumatic reason, and now that he's back in this town, he has all of these like opportunities to make his life right again. He's not going to take them, and you'll you find out why. But Casey Affleck really does fucking I'll, nail it. I'll have to check it out because it definitely sounds like a story that I can identify with and get behind. Um, and um, I, I'm eager to. I've heard good things about it. Yeah, and I'm eager to see what the um, yeah controversy is about too. Uh, yeah, I mean, but hell, he might win that. Um, I don't really know the other nominees. We'll get to them in a second. Uh, Hell or High Water, I didn't see that. Arrival, I didn't see that. Moonlight, I wanted I to see, see that. that. Arrival. I, want, I want to see all of these, especially Arrival, just because that guy is going up and doing better and better things, and the cinematographer is an amazing person. And just, like, the reviews for a sci-fi movie that isn't really about shooting lasers in space, I'm all for that kind of sci-fi at this know, point. I don't know, though. Um, Rogue One actually really surprised me and blew away my expectations. I'm, I'm more talking about the Star Trek films, but uh, yeah, Rogue One, sure. But that's a, Star Wars is a separate kind of sci-fi. It was, all, it was never a thought-provoking science fiction series. It was always the fun, 
based on serials of the 40s kind of adventure I series. Think Star Trek literally started as a series that was smart and inventive and a new look on the future of technology and space travel well, and humanity and, you know, the Star stories Trek, within all that. Star Trek focuses much more on the science fiction elements and uh, um, how they get how they, how the technology works and how they do all of this and all the cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And whereas Star Wars focuses more on the characters, on the universe at large, and the world building... Come on, man. What? Uh, Star Wars focuses on the characters, sure, but not as much as Star Trek does. And Star Wars also just really focuses on you know the plot points, getting them from plot point A to B, and having action in between. Well, Star I'm Trek's not saying that one's better than the other. They're two completely different things, but Star Trek was literally about story and character from the beginning. Well, the characters in Star Wars feel a bit more grounded in reality. You haven't watched The Next Generation, then. Have you ever seen an episode of TNG? No, I have never. Patrick Stewart. I am not a big Star Trek fan. It's amazing. It's amazing, right? Um, right. Just uh, add it to the ever-growing list of stuff that I producer. need to watch. It's, it's great, isn't it? Please, tell me. Tell me. It's fantastic. No, no, no. Up. You got to... Bro, get up here. Star Trek The Next Generation is the best TV <laughs> show. <laughs> All right. Made. Thank you. That was beautiful. Yeah, no, it's, it's really, really awesome. Have you not seen The Next Generation? That is the most story and character-driven television series that has ever existed, and I will put that on the mantle all the time. It's not my favorite TV series ever. It's definitely in the top five, but for nine fucking seasons, it was the... those Out of every show I've ever watched, and I've seen them, practically all of them, not all the way through, but I've at least tasted almost every popular TV show. You know, Breaking Bad and Westworld and Mr. Robot and... Louis, all, all these critically acclaimed shows. Atlanta is a recent one. You know, I had, but uh, out of all of those, I have never loved or felt hate towards characters or story development in my entire life than the Next Generation. I'm not even that big of a Star Trek guy. I had plenty of opportunities to watch it because it came on Sci-Fi Channel all the time, and I was a huge Sci-Fi Channel geek, and mostly for the the horror movie marathons that they would have and um, their Sci-Fi originals, which were uh, amazing in their awfulness. But um, I just never got into Star Trek. I'm just not a big. Sci- I'm not huge on science fiction. I do like it. I yeah. do like the classics. You know, like Alien, Star Wars, uh, Blade Runner. Um, those those types of movies. Yeah. Um, I've just never given them a shot. I'm not going to say anything or judge anything on the quality. You need to watch the TNG series. Well, you and I will sit down and I'll pick out probably the three best episodes that I know of of that series. There's obviously many more. But we'll we'll, we'll watch a couple and we'll get we'll gauge what you think. But it is... Sounds good. It's amazing. Earl Grey. Mm-hmm. Hot. So, well, um, La La Land, I didn't see because... It just it never came to a theater close by. La La Land was one of those movies for some reason. It's in certain states, it literally just showed like eight miles away. I think it's showing at the Baxter Avenue Theater. I mean, maybe right now, but it wasn't for a while. I think maybe it's it Oscar, Oscar season's right about around the corner. So, so they're, they're, they're really trying to pump it in. Yeah, like, if it's still in theaters during Oscar season, they're going to put a little bit more money to keep those reels going. It's doing amazing business at the box office, too. No, it's great. You, I, I showed you Whiplash. It's the same director. Oh yeah, no, I loved Whiplash. That even though the movie didn't come out this year, that was probably one of the best movies that I did see this year because um, I was completely unaware of it at the time. Yeah, and um, I'm excited to see if the quality carries over to La La Land. It sounds like it does. It's got great reviews and it's doing yeah. good at the box office. Oh, it's it's tremendous. Now, fucking, um, I didn't see Zootopia. Did you? I did. Still looking at my producer. He mm. won't get on mine, so 
Um, uh, he, he says yes. Yes, he did. Did um, you like it? Just just shake your head. There you go. He liked it. Uh, I, I don't... I didn't go for it. One thing... It just didn't interest <laughs> me. I think one thing to know about uh, the movies that came out in 2016, um, specifically in the horror genre... Um, we've seen a big decline in the past couple of years of horror movies and original horror movies, and the sequel light is definitely affecting horror genre more than any other genre, probably. But I think last year um, was a huge explosion or rebirth for that genre. You had a lot of high-profile uh, sequels that came out that did actually pretty f- a good business, and then a slew of uh, original films that did a great well uh, business as well, uh, Lights Out. Uh, that came out from a uh, James Wan producer. I didn't see it. Um, I saw it in theaters, and um, I only really saw like Ten Cloverfield Lane. If you want to talk about horror-ish movies, no, I would definitely. It's just, it's just none of those. I, they interest me, but I just they weren't on the top of my list because every time they came out, there was another movie that I really wanted to see a lot more. But it was a Ten Cloverfield Lane did great business. The box office, great reviews. Uh, the Conjuring Two. Solid bit, uh, reviews and even did better at the box office than the first one. Sure. Um, the Purge election year, kind of mixed reviews-esque, but still did it very well. I think that had more to do with the timeliness of its release, given the then-current political atmosphere that we were in. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's probably more relevant now than it was then. Mm. Um, but that did great well uh, business at the box office. Lights Out did a huge amount of business. It had like less than a $5 million budget and it yeah. ended up grossing almost $150 million Yeah, it's, it's, it's just not something that I saw. I'll, I'll watch them on DVD. But there, the there, was so, there, uh, there were so many m- more movies to see this year. Than any of that, like there, this was a great year for movies. D- Don't dis- breathe. Despite some of the shitty ones, again, it, horror, gotcha. Mm-hmm. But it's just, I, I just didn't see any of those. I'm glad it was a good year for horror, though. I, it was a long time coming since um, that uh, indie film did uh, kind of like reinvigorate everybody to get back into the horror genre and start making movies again. When we move into 2017, uh, we'll probably discuss Split for a second. And it's good to see that that trend is continuing into the new year because Split also was very well done and sure. doing solid business at the sure. box office. Sure. Um, doing good for a movie released in the traditional January dumping ground. But to cover all the genres and not just the horror genre, what else did you see? Um... I saw Star Wars. Uh, I didn't see a lot of movies in the theaters, honestly. Well, um, I, I I saw Finding Dory. Handmaiden, the Handmaiden is something everyone's talking about. That was amazing. If you've uh, never seen any of uh, Park Chan Wook's films, I saw Deadpool in he's, theaters. He's like the uh, he's he's like the Scorsese of Korea. Um, um, Jackie was really good. Um, it, it, probably not the cup of tea for everybody, but just because I'm a giant JFK fan, I it was it was as close as a look into that woman's life and trials that she had to deal with after he got shot in the Is face there any references than to like anything else that I've ever seen in my life. And I, I watched all the JFK movies. You don't get any closer to that um, that kind of like moment in time other um, than this. And this is all this movie is about is a moment in time after another moment in time. And you get as close and as personal with her as you possibly can. Is there any references to Michael Jackson in the movie? Because I know they no. had a close friendship towards the end no, of no, her no, life. No, 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 no. It literally covers the week before his death, the week after. And then, you know, intercut with like maybe a month after. But it, it doesn't go very far. It's not about her life. It's literally about what she went with after his killing. I think for me, probably the biggest surprise I had in the theater last year 
uh, it wasn't a horror movie. It was actually a Marvel movie, and that's very surprising if you know anything about me because I'm a strictly anti-Marvel movie guy for the most part. Sure. I never really got into superhero movies when I was a kid, and I really don't understand the infection of the masses that they've kind of gotten now. Yeah. But um, I was kind of skeptical when you dragged me to go see, um, what was it? Doctor Strange, mm. and having no previous knowledge of uh, that movie or its mythology or any connection to the Marvel Universe. And I was actually very surprised at how engrossed I was in the story in the movie. And well, of course, that's what all Marvel movies are. And the, they're engrossing because they're fun. You don't, you have, like, things to care about and, like, situations to worry about. And you have, like, antagonists to hate and protagonists to love. But it's not. it doesn't take itself so seriously to where you just bog down by all this serious nonsense. It, it's fun. It um, was a little formulaic in its uh, storytelling. It was an origin story for a superhero, so obviously they kind of those kinds of movies. Yeah, follow but the a origin story was literally what ten minutes. Um, I mean, it was. Hey, a, look, it was surgeon. A, oh man, car accident. Done. It was, it was a traditional uh, superhero guy. Um, yeah, it. I, um, the origin, then he has to go save the world. The origin and story was, and he learns a lot about himself, and he gets his girlfriend back sure. or whatever. It literally know. did have, you know, you're right. It literally did have like the best origin story handling of any film that has ever been of a superhero movie. I think because usually a lot of films they go too deep into the origin stories and literally take up, hence the Suicide Squad, the first fucking hour to describe these characters. This one was like, hey, look, he cuts people's brains open. Now he can't do that no more. I kept waiting for more connections to the Marvel Universe or other superheroes to keep coming into play, and they didn't really come, which I actually really liked because the movie was able to stand on its own and be its own thing, whether uh -huh. this being another sequel or another installment in a ongoing universe uh, franchise. Um, I think the visual effects more than anything probably were what got me interested in the film sure but i mean their vi their effects were amazing it was such a visual palette of colors and designs and it was unlike anything i had really ever seen before in a movie mm -hmm. um I w if i had been on mushrooms or whatever i probably would have gone to heaven right then and there well i, I got really really drunk let's say yeah and, uh, let's say that when to, when to see the movie it was it was amazing it was amazing. I was very surprised, and um, I probably it, it hasn't turned me completely onto the Marvel universe yet, but um, I definitely would go see a, a sequel to uh, Doctor Strange mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, I would. I'm intrigued enough to follow the story in that particular um, area of the Marvel universe, not mm -hmm. so much in the other areas. I mean, why not? Have you? Do you just not like them? I just, it's me. It just seems like it's the same thing in every movie. I mean, they're they're great. They're fun. They're well acted. Um, all of that's great. But as far as the plot and storytelling going are going, it doesn't seem like there's really anything, any complex themes or anything that I, you can't. Uh, what get. do you want, Martha? Like, what do you want out of these films that is so complex that you find in other films? I just, I, I, I it, it just takes me out of it. You know, what does? superheroes are so out of this world. Oh come They're, on, it's not grounded in reality. Well, at that's all. probably why the superhero bubble is going to burst anyway, because people at the end of the day won't give a shit about these kinds of characters anymore if all they're seeing 
movie after movie is, hey, look how cool we are and how special our powers it are. It doesn't seem like there's any st- real stakes anymore because in every single one of those Marvel movies, it seems like the universe or the world or planet Earth yeah, is in danger from something. Well, yeah. And you know they're going to save it. You know well, that course. they're going to stop whatever. I don't know. Marvel's about to get really fucked up because if they're going to follow the comic books and how they deal with Thanos, which is going to be their main antagonist in the upcoming films, they're going to get really fucked up. So you're not going to really know what's going to happen either way. Of course, but every movie follows the typical trope of hero wins because they're heroes. And I know horror movies. So why is the the Marvel movie so different? I know horror movies is the same way, but I love horror horror movies. movies Are the worst about. You know, I mean, but I like horror movies, so I don't, I don't really care much for superheroes. The only thing they fill up in between is, like, the kills. Like, horror movies don't care th- about anything else except the kills. That's not true at all. Oh, there come are, on. There are a lot slasher of... Slasher movies, they don't give a fuck there are about a lot story. Of, there are some slasher movies that have great Slasher stories. movies are literally, like, porn. The story is, like, the least important part. Well, take the Scream series, for example. You take away the slasher elements, and there's still a pretty compelling story about loss and losing your mother. Yeah, at least you can name the characters in that. Sins of the mother being revisited on the children. That stuff's, l- kind of, that stuff's cool. But what do you remember most from Scream? Not yeah. what Gail Weathers thought. I remember the opening scene because yes, the opening the scene. The murder. Well, you remember the murder. I remember the murder specifically. Yes. It's the build up to that. Oh, come on. It's suspense, but we're getting off topic. No, uh, <laughs> I'm going to stay on this topic. Slasher movies are literally about the killing, they're not about anything else. Any one slasher movie that revolves around the story? Scream. Scream literally revolves around the story because. But what the do you remember mo- most from the sto- from Scream? Is it the story or is it the murder? I mean, what I remember most is the beginning of the first Scream and then the ending, the twist ending. I guess the, is a story element, but how they start stabbing themselves. If you're talking about individual installments, then yes, the murder scenes are probably the key in parts. But as a series as a whole, I remember it for its qu- uh, consistency and quality and delivering a compelling narrative to go alongside uh, the murder. That got a little silly after a while. Uh, I mean, it's an ongoing franchise. You have There's only so much suspension of disbelief that you can uh, sure. uh, give out. But um, and that's the thing with superhero. I think that's just like a genre that seems a a little bit pointless at this juncture in time where film is going. I don't see the slasher genre of serving much more of a point anymore. And I just see that actual horror movies that you have mentioned that have been really popular and have done really well, kind of taking over the slots of horror for anything else. What is Blumhouse making that is a, a slasher film right now besides like franchise movies? Nothing. They're focusing solely on ghost and paranormal stories, really, or right. more more grounded reality stuff like reality. Split. Like split. because people don't give a fuck about murder anymore. Well, there's we a, don't want that right. There's now. a way to make a a slasher esque movie without it going to the name hi, one. Hi, um, I don't want to name Scream again because Scream isn't even kind of it's rooted it's in still our universe. Slasher movie. Name uh, one. Split, for example. Split isn't a slasher Split, movie. Ha- Split has all the hallmark, 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 hallmarks slasher of the slasher elements. movies. But Not really. It, it, it's he trapped them. And, and, then and instead some, of being virgins, they're all like people that have never suffered pain. And but there's also the outside, the old lady, the you know the elderly figure that's trying, who knows about the evil. And all right, trying. I'll give you that one. Uh, the, the elements but are there again. I I still think slasher movie. You're not gonna see a slasher movie anymore. You can. You're just not. You can weave unless it's like a low budget local thing. Hint, hint. <laughs> but no, you're not going to see slasher movies well, anymore. It goes back to what I said about Paramount viewing their uh, slasher series as nothing more than a cash cow that needed to be milked, and that's what the slasher craze was. They Halloween did so well at the box office and did so well. Sure, they took that and they just m- copy and pasted the movie a million times. Sure, 
Um, and you're probably right. That slasher, that that genre is dead, and it's probably never going to come back. I, I really hope it doesn't. Ho- but again, Rogue One, sure. Hail Caesar, I thought was really good. I didn't really mind that at all. Um, it wasn't the best Coen Brothers movie ever. <laughs> I I liked it. I liked Hail Caesar. I liked the concept of it. I liked the way they did it. I liked the whole, you know, old style Hollywood comedy aspect of it. I just, I don't know. It was. For some reason, the Coen brothers are doing what like a lot of filmmakers in the past have done. They're becoming self-aware of their own style, and they're copying basically themselves. So this movie was so Coen brothery, it really got on my fucking nerves after a while. It just it was the shot composition, the colorization, the fucking characters. After a while, at one point, spoiler alert, I don't give a fuck. George Clooney gets captured by this group of I don't even know what the fuck they are, rich people. People from a rival studio, and he just, he's chilling out with them, he's hanging with them, and he's talking with them, and the dialogue that he spouts, oh my fucking god, it's so Coen Brothery, it made, it, it made me visibly upset. If that makes any sense, like if you've seen like, oh brother, where art thou, and any of their weird comedy movies, like Fargo and stuff, they're really character driven, but not characters as in a singular character, but like characterization, so Midwesterners, Southerners, you know, they, they follow a, a typical stereotype and then just kind of meld it into the world. This was old 40s Hollywood people, and everybody talked like they were from the, the Northeast, and, you know, they were doing big-budget movies and dancing films, and here comes Channing Tatum. Oh, my God, Remind look at him. Remind me again, do you like or hate this movie? I, I, <laughs> I don't know anymore. I'm somewhere in between. Yeah, you kind of changed opinions there very quickly. Yeah, I know. Now, <laughs> the more that I think about it, after a while, though, the Hollywood jokes got really weird. We get it. Old Hollywood was silly. Silent films were silly. Talkies were weird when they first came out. I got it. Dancing, singing, cabaret, fucking okay. There seems to be a lot of those kinds of movies and TV shows coming out. Shows that kind of satire Hollywood and just completely ripped to shreds how empty and vapid the culture is really there now. And uh, it's probably one of the reasons the Hollywood bubble is so close to burst. I don't know. Morris, come here real quick. Stand up to this. I need another opinion on Hail Caesar. So get up real nice and close to the front of it. Morshaw is a filmmaker at this studio, and he also saw Hail Caesar, but he's much more better worded on his criticisms than I am. So what did you think of Hail Caesar? Well, now you've got me on the spot. I'm not sure I'm going to be better worded about <laughs> it. But, uh, so you, you know, like the Coen Brothers, though? Oh, I, I love the Coen Far- Brothers. Fargo is the greatest movie ever. Fargo is great. Uh, love the Big Lebowski. Oh, brother, where art thou? Uh, of course, uh, No Country for Old Men. For old men, you know, different kind of groove. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, you've you've created a term here, Cohen brothery. I think that <laughs> it uh, is. I think that Hail Caesar was a little too Cohen brothery. Uh, I thought that um, you know it was a little bit too. Um, you know, fond of itself. I think that it wasn't as clever, maybe as you know. They thought it, it would be. It felt that it should have been. Right. You know, certainly there's, you know, there's no question. You know, a level of competence. There was a, a clear design to you know kind of mimic certain Hollywood stylisms. You know, of course, the great Roger Deakins. You know, did that brilliantly. Uh, but I think that it was just a little bit uh, too uh, frothy and 
and it lightweight, was. even for what it was. They were trying to make a part farce, part mystery, part heist movie, but they didn't really accomplish all three. Yeah, it, there. You know, by no means is it a bad movie, uh, but no. it's just it's just not. You know, even for some of the Coen Brothers comedies that we've already mentioned, you know, it just doesn't have the kind of, you know, weight, depth, or uh, heft of those. Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of missing like quite. the heart Fargo had. And again, they're just copying an yeah. entire stereotype, the old Hollywood type. It's kind of like what Fargo did with Midwesterners. But Fargo at least put some heart behind these characters. I didn't like any of the characters from Hail Caesar. I could give a fuck if George Clooney died. Actually, you know, I think that's a really good point. I think part of the problem is, and it, and it's not uh, an issue, again, with, say, Josh Brolin's acting, but, you know, you, you don't have somebody to to kind of, like, pin the story to that, you know, you really have a compelling reason to care about, like you did in Fargo, like you did with the dude in The Big Lebowski, mm-hmm. like you did with Clooney's character in Oh Brother. You know, mm-hmm. just like... It, it's just like it, it just didn't quite gel. You know, you didn't really have somebody to, to completely root for. You didn't really know why you were rooting for them. You know, it was it was a little bit almost Yikes. like too many vignettes. Yeah. We're looking at the Rotten Tomatoes page for 85% for critics because it's a Coen Brothers movie. 44% for audience members, and that's out of 40,000 ratings. Yeah, so like I say, by no means a bad movie, but it's just really not up to their standards. No, it's really not. And yeah, you hit the nail on the head. They just didn't give you anything to care about. They were too busy making fun of all the characters. They didn't make you care about them. It's kind of like if you've seen, uh, you know, another one of their films that uh, was a misfire was their version of The Lady Killers. Mm, No, I didn't watch that. That sounds terrible. It's it's not that it was terrible. It was was just, again, it was like there were misguided aspects to it. Um, Sure. You know, uh, but, you know, you have other stuff, you know, by them that, you know, you could arguably call a little bit uh, lighter con and brothery, like uh, <laughs> intolerable <laughs> cruelty or uh, burn after reading. But those were much more enjoyable. Burn after reading got close for me, but I still thought those characters were kind of funny. They they were funny enough to where I didn't care that they, they had were no funny characterization. Enough and, and, you know, like the whole thing kind of gelled, whereas yeah. this, this it, it just like. It just didn't quite come together. Yeah, and that one at least had some surprises. Yeah. That one had some definite surprises. Yeah. This one just—I couldn't care. I see what but, you get. But yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Thank you. I appreciate out it now. But I'll come back and talk to All you right, guys everybody. some more about something. More show, everyone. Thank you very much, sir. I see what you guys are saying though about directors getting too caught up in their own style and themes, and that's kind of what makes Quentin Tarantino so yeah. underwhelming to me. Yeah, is that after the first couple of movies he made he got so obsessed with this um the style of writing and the style of filmmaking that he was doing and it just leaks from every single orifice of his newest movies and that's just kind of why i don't really care much for him as a director or his newer movies at least yeah they're so quentin tarantino yeah. They're so in your face they're so balls to the wall gory or violent or hyper violent yeah. really with this uh, especially in regards to the uh, hateful eight yes yes um, yeah, I just it completely takes me out of yeah. it. And I, I, I can definitely feel what you mean. Uh, thank God a lot of movies like that weren't coming out in 2016. Mm-hmm. Like, you didn't really see a lot of that. Again, it was a great year for movies. It I, was I gr- honestly think so. The same you had I- some bullshit, 
but even the bullshit was just really fun to watch happen. Like Ghostbusters, that whole thing. Uh, not going to even get into that. I think we actually talked about it in the past. But uh, Ghostbusters, pull that down for me. Yeah, sorry. If you're not watching, you're listening to this on SoundCloud and or iTunes. I just told my producer, Christopher Weaver, to actually just pull down the microphone that Morris was using because he was standing. No, I see Theater of the mind. <laughs> I see what you're saying, though. No, um, 2016, the the trash the rebooted sequel trash aside yeah lots of great lots of great franchise movies sure. lots of great original movies mm-hmm. i think the pretentious oscar bait that came out this year was a lot higher quality yes. and a lot less pretentious than yes. it has been in past years yes. like la la land arrival um manchester by the sea those movies they do seem to be really great honest movies yeah. and not just award nabbing bullshit yeah 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 exactly like moana. silence the nice guys moana i can't believe we forgot to mention moana. jungle book that was a complete finding dory yeah finding dory was a great um i think the animated movies that came out this year were phenomenal i mean just to, to go through all the singular story movies hacksaw ridge was a huge one pop star <laughs> i didn't see but that was supposed to be really funny mm-hmm. you know it, it was just it was an amazing year for single story movies it was an amazing year for non-franchise movies it, it was just an amazing year for movies and it's but it's, I'm going to tell you, it's not going to continue. It saddens me to say that the bullshit that we got this year seems to be leaking on into the next year and the foreseeable future. Because when you look at the lineup of movies that we have coming up for us in 2017, it's sequel, reboot, sequel, So we're sequel, looking at, sequel, we're going to compare the list of 2016 versus 2017. 2016, you know, the first four or five that comes up as the best movies La La Land, Moonlight, Manchester by the Sea, Arrival, Hell or High Water, and then just like movies that came out, you know, stuff like Zootopia, uh, Tony Erdman, which I didn't see, uh, Jackie, Deadpool, uh, Hail Caesar, Silence, Everybody Wants Some, Kubo and the Two Strings, which I heard was great. Now, if you switch over to 2017 and the movies that are coming out, Lego, Batman, franchise, okay? Spider-Man Homecoming, reboot. Stop right there for a second. That is particularly... Maddening because this is going to be the third uh, separate iteration. I mean, it's Marvel now. So. It's the third separate iteration of the Spider-Man character well, because in less they than a decade. So here's the story of Spider-Man. Sam Raimi did an amazing job. First off, mm-hmm. he made some of the best superhero movies before there was a such thing as superhero movies. Exactly. He made some of just the best movies. Spider-Man one, amazing. Spider-Man two. If you want to talk about sequels that people list up as better than the originals, they mentioned Godfather and fucking Spider-Man 2. I'll completely agree Spider-Man 2 was amazing. Spider-Man 3, I even like. Sam Raimi knows how to balance his storylines. Spider-Man 3 had some very cringy moments. That that were dancing scene, the emo-y vibe. I guess he didn't have like a a copy editor or something like that, a a script touch-upper, something, a script doctor. I think, honestly... But, yeah, it was terrible. If I could... Just to continue with the history of Spider-Man. So, he had Spider-Man 4 lined up. It was going to be, I think, the Eagle as a main villain. And he was going to be played by... Who played Gandhi? I don't know. <laughs> who played Gandhi? Who played Gandhi? They were going to bring Just Gandhi. Just look up who played Gandhi. Uh, shit, I have a computer here. Fuck it, who cares? He was going to be played by a very like regalist actor. Like a, an Oscar-winning actor. But they didn't go with it. Ben Kingsley, Sir Ben Kingsley, actually. And when it came time for that that, uh, franchise to be put up for sale, they had to make a movie. So they grabbed Mark Webb. I get his last name is Webb, but do you know what he did before that? No. 500 Days of Summer. Do you know what he did before that? 
nothing. I like that movie though. It's it's sweet. not a fucking. It has it's nothing sweet. to do with anything that has to do with a superhero movie. That's so cool. he makes the worst Amazing Spider-Man movie I've ever seen, and then he makes the worst sequel to any movie I've ever seen. Terrible, terrible similar, film. Th- similar occurrence of events happened with the um, Fantastic Four reboot in 2015. You had Josh Tank, who was only real movie before Trank? that. Yeah. Trank was Chronicle, a low-budget sci-fi movie that did really well. And then they just thrust him into this multi-million, uh, $100 million production. And he would have done all right if they would have let him do his fucking movie. That's Fox for you. But then he's also an asshole because he went on Twitter to complain about it before the movie even came out, you dumbass. Killed his career. Good. So, Justice League. (laughs) (laughs) Justice League. (laughs) Yes, Justice League comes out. Oh, God, what to say about this. Again, you fucking morons. Every time a trailer comes out, you've been fucked in the ass by Man of Steel. You were fucked in the ass by Batman vs. Superman. You were fucked in the ass when Suicide Squad came out. You dumb motherfuckers see the Justice League trailer, and all of a sudden, DC, DC, I wipe away all your sins. I will go see this movie opening day. The tr- Fuck all of you. The this tra- movie, I hope, sucks balls and DC crumbles. I'm actually really looking forward to the Wonder Woman movie because the reviews... No, I hope that's terrible, too. The, the, the reception to the trailers thus far have been really positive. The reception to all the trailers have been great. Um, so mean, good that they l- let the company th- that cut the trailers cut Suicide Squad. I think Great we, job there, guys. We need, though, Wonder Woman to be good or to at least do good business because it's That's a woman. I hope it doesn't. It's a woman-centric movie, and it's being directed by Come a woman. On. I mean, I'm so a, sick of that excuse. Ghostbusters sucked because it was a stupid movie. I'm not saying that it needs to. I'm saying it just needs to do well so studios would be more willing to do material well, you know like what? that in the future. The main character in the new Star Wars, not girls. Again, well, I, I'm I mean, not trying to come off as sexy. Look I'm at Marvel, not. though. Marvel has yet to do a movie solely centered, centered around one of their female superheroes. Yeah, but they have so many strong ones. And Black Widow is literally the strongest character they've got. I mean, but they not have in it, terms of actual they, physical strength, just still, like in terms of story. But they still haven't committed to giving her her own movie because woman-centric movies are so inconsistent well, at the box office. Of course, and to be honest, as a character... People aren't going to rush out to see the Black Widow movie. They didn't make a standalone Hulk film, and they don't plan on it. Why? They well, did actually, a, hold on. They did make one. They made two, no, actually. Hulk. Marvel. Oh, Marvel. Marvel. They did the Incredible Hulk. It is part of the Marvel Universe. It's part of the Marvel Universe, but that was like... That's like I, I, guess, was I guess you could say that's like I, saying Iron Man. So yeah. I guess it's technically correct, but fuck it. Hold on. Marvel lineup. I'm gonna. I hope I don't fucking eat my own foot. I really don't think they're gonna make a Hulk movie with that guy. No, I don't think they are. I think they're incorporating the Hulk but it's directly like, it's like, into Thor three. Uh, to save myself from looking this up, I'm gonna give a better example. It would be like making a Hawkeye movie. No one's gonna make a Hawkeye movie because no one's gonna go see a Hawkeye movie. I mean, with when regards to the Wonder Woman movie, it's been yeah. in development for so long, and yeah. it, it's been seventy years in the making since they started doing the superhero movies in the first place. You it, say seventy since the character debuted. Oh, okay. They started doing movies way, you know, in the 60s and 50s. You yeah, know? yeah, those, that wonderful Captain America movie with Red Brown. I'm saying, though, that, that the stakes are kind of high with this yeah. release. and Not even with, not even just with the movie itself. No, it's and extremely women. high. They don't, they can't have four turds. DC They need, already have one, two. They have three turds. They, you can't have four DC turds. If you have four this. turds, you got to flush the toilet. Yeah, no, DC needs this to do well. Not only for the risk. Critically. They don't need no fucking money. Uh, it needs to do well at the box office so more studios yeah. will invest Critically. in... Critically. 
No, I'm saying box office wise, it needs to do well. So oh, dude, come on, it's going to make a eight hundred million. Studios need to know that that kind of movie can be profitable. Yeah, and it will if it's good and it does well. We'll get more movies. We'll get more sequel. Well, that's actually not a good thing. Fuck that. I don't want. I don't want. Okay, the, the, so fuck your whole argument. I'm right. Fuck Wonder Woman. Fuck DC. No, fuck the idea. Thank you. Fuck the idea of sequels and more of those type of movies. We That's need woman-centered movies, but we kind of already have that. Not in the uh, stretch that people would like. I mean, we have we have very strong African American stories coming out, which is well, amazing. Well, hold up. Let's look at the the lineup of movies we have just right now for 2017. Fine. So again, you don't, you don't get to a woman-centric movie until you get to Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, but that's a Disney movie again, too. I don't want to talk about like gender roles in filmmaking because again, women aren't where they need to be right now in film. Not as the women themselves. Women work really hard in film. I've seen it firsthand. But women, mo- I'll, I'll agree. Female movies aren't where they need to be right now. I don't want to make the argument about female movies. I want to make the argument currently that we need to make good movies. Mm-hmm. Wonder Woman might be female driven with a female character and a female director but if it's a shitty story sorry guess what um what was that war movie that did really well um fucking you know uh making movies making songs and fight no who the fuck who titanic titanic That's not guy. a war movie no who is the titanic guy james cameron who was his ex-wife she made a movie gail somebody i don't know can we look that up please over there um, it was a war movie, and it did really, really well, and it won the Oscar of the year. Actually, Hurt Fuck Locker. Me. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, she won Best Director to ever be winning. To yeah, ever win Best Picture. W- limited selection of theaters, and it was a war movie. Sorry, you're gonna get that. But again, we need that now. We need not just female movies, good female movies, okay? I get it. Ghostbusters was female-driven. I understand. It was still a stupid movie. It was attacked very early on unfairly, but not because it was females, because of the fucking trailer. The trailer sucked a dick. I'm sorry to say. It was, it was not because of them being women. I don't. I never even saw it. It was like maybe 10% that, but 90% was directed because that trailer sucked ass. I never understood why people were so upset about them remaking Ghostbusters when they I literally remake everything. And I never understood why Ghostbusters is being held up as just like the sacred, hey, holy trinity. Hey, it's a great, great series. Well, I only ever, two movies. I, one movie. Yeah, I've two heard movies. the sequel. Hello. I only saw Ghostbusters for the first I like Ghostbusters too. The fucking ooze that makes you a- a mean. I only saw the first Come one. Come on, y'all. I, fucking, uh, God, uh, uh, Vigo. I am Vigo. No one liked that. No one liked the painting guy. He tried to put his soul into a baby so he could live in the real world. Like that dude was going to have to take care of him from being a baby, like an evil baby to like an evil adult. I just didn't understand the pa- the intense hatred that they were remaking that when people acted yeah. like it was like the holy grail of What do movies. you like from your childhood very much? Me? Yes. What film do you like very much from your childhood? Jaws. Jaws. Okay. And My screen just went black, by the way. I know. Hold on. Okay. okay. My computer's fucking up. But they won't ever do a remake so, of Jaws. Uh, sorry about that. So what happens if... Yes, they are. No. Yes, I d- they I are. I don't think they will. Yes, I they are. I think that is like oh, shut up. sacred territory. Yes, they are. They absolutely will make remake Jaws. Jaws doesn't count. All right, you know what? Never mind. I'm done with this argument. But you see my <laughs> point. 
All right. I, I agree. Maybe being angry at a Ghostbusters sequel was kind of stupid, but you see the point. It was a shitty movie. Female directors need to make great movies, and they have. But female it's directors. not because they're female. It's because these, these movies that are touted as female-driven keep sucking. What is that? What were you? Oh, he was just showing us our stream. There's an echo in the actual stream itself. All right. Well, we tried our best. <laughs> but I guess our best wasn't good enough. Mm. Well, let's continue on the slate. What else do we have to look forward to in 2017? Well, hold on a second. Because I need to go back to that tab. 2017, Justice League, Logan. Not excited for that. An X-Men sequel. You're not excited for Logan? Mm, no. Come on. The man. trailers look like it's pretentious kind of Oscar bait uh, combined with a hard rated R, uh, hyper violent, and traditional superhero stuff. Right. That kind of does not appeal to me at all. Really but I will reserve judgment until it comes out and the reviews come out. And mm. maybe I'll go see it. Probably won't. But um, like I said, superhero movies just not my thing. Really? And the X-Men franchise last year was another one of the big franchises that saw a sharp dip in its box office and its quality. With the exception of Deadpool, which was incredibly well received and did amazing business. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I see your point. Okay, fine. John Wick, though. Um, Fucking I actually John Wick. I, I, John I am Wick was so in seven days from now, next week, John Wick, seeing it, doing it, done. Okay. There's actually three high-profile movies coming out uh, next week. Uh, the Lego Batman movie, yeah. uh, Fifty Shades of Grey 2, yeah. and um, John Wick 2. Yeah. And I'm actually excited about John Wick 2 because it was another one of those big surprises from uh, that uh, you showed me and I fell in love with, not thinking I was going to like it at all. And um, I'm excited to see what they do with the world building and everything that they set up in the first movie. I am excited to see it continued on and hopefully take the story in some new directions. I feel you on that. I can feel that. Um, going back, 2017 is going to have the next Fifty Shades of Grey movie. See, now we're getting into Fuck the it. shit. Thor Ragnarok. Okay. Star Wars The Last Jedi. Hallelujah. Pirates of the Caribbean. Don't give a fuck. Didn't mm. see the last ones. Transformers. Just gonna go ahead and fuck that too. Guardians of the Galaxy. Gonna see it. Kong Skull Island. Gonna see it. Alien Covenant. Hell gonna fucking see yeah. It. The Space Between Us. Suck a dick. Blade Runner 2. Blade, yeah. Well, excuse me. It's Blade Runner 20. 2049. You have to see the other 2048 to even understand it. War for the Planet of the Apes. Ghost in the Shell. Hallelujah. Power Rangers. Wonder Woman. Cars 3. T2. The Bi-Pi Man. Baywatch. Literally all we're saying is that all of these are unoriginal concepts. Yeah. Every well, single one. The Bye-Bye Man technically is an original movie, but from what I heard, it is so formulaic and so derivative of every single slasher horror film ever made. Yep. It might as well be a remake or a sequel. Yeah, okay. Well, here. Here's the thing. All these unoriginal ideas. 2016 was such a great year for movies, but if we continue with this, it's going to choke Hollywood the fuck out. And that's what we're going to talk about after our break, is that, you know, there's a bubble. Mm -hmm. Dot-com had a bubble. Wall Street had a bubble. The housing market had a bubble. Hollywood has a bubble like everything else. Like every industry, it has a bubble. And at this point, if they keep creaming out shit that's expensive, expensive mm -hmm. shit. I was about to say, there's a convergence of different factors other than it just being saturated with remakes and sequels. But, um, yeah, um, overpriced, overspending and um, just the kind And eventually, and we're going to go into who actually says this and why. 
it's going to choke them out and it's going to completely destroy Hollywood as you know it. So stay tuned to find out why in the world your favorite Hollywood systems are going to crumble and why above you and on top of you in way and underneath you. And why that might not necessarily be a bad thing. And why that might ne- not necessarily be a bad thing. Couldn't have said it better myself. I tried, but I didn't. All right. C&D Radio. Going to come back after a short break. Stay tuned. Stick around. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. CD Radio coming at you live from the compound of Louisville, Kentucky. I am, as always, your host, Charles Schmelz, across from me, still on the phone, thinking we're on break. Needs to get back up to that mic. So, where we apparently left you moments ago. Sorry about the stream, by the way. For those of you watching our live stream on YouTube.com, forward slash Falls City Studios. There was a bit of an echo the entire time that we were not made aware of until we actually checked the comment section on the live chat and realized that the sound preview through our casting system, our live broadcasting system, was turned on. So we were hearing, you were hearing ourselves while it was broadcasting our um, mixer audio. Oh no. So for those of you that don't speak technical bullshit jargon, uh, we fucked up and we're sorry. And it won't happen again. Okay? Alright. So, when we left off, we were talking about how wonderful 2018 is going to be, or 2017 2017. is going to be for movies versus 2016. Because as you are well aware, 2016 was an amazing year for movies. Original stories, original characters, uh, directors being able to actually make the films that they want in the time frame that they want, with the budgets that they want, and Hollywood actually giving some sort of, almost like a caveat to these filmmakers. You know, you've got people like the the young man that made Whiplash, who uh, made it off the backing of a short film that he did, which was uh, just like a, a small segment. It was almost like the uh, first drumming sequence of Whiplash. That was a short film that he made. And then he expanded that script into a feature, and he got a budget, and then it became this Oscar-worthy, amazing praise movie, and then he made La La Land, which seems to be the same. So the point of that being, with people like him, people like Gareth Edwards that made this little short YouTube movie, uh, I, it was about a small kid finding robots in his town, like giant robots. It was basically just a way for Gareth to show off like his uh, After Effects skills, <laughs> his 3D rendering skills. And then he made this film based on the back of that, a little short movie or short budget movie called Monster or Monsters, which is about mostly the same thing. Then he made Godzilla, and now he's the Rogue One director. So the point being that if you give a caveat to filmmakers that aren't well-established, that have original ideas, and don't want to fit into your franchise nonsense, a lot of the time it can work out, and it can work out really, really well. Not in the time frame that you might not want it. You know, the studio isn't going to make a billion dollars right off the bat, but they're going to start a career that could very well net them that in a few years' time. Or it can spectacularly backfire, as we saw with uh, Fantastic Four and well, the other movie we discussed. But that that had more more in it than just... I don't know. You that's know, Fox Studios, though, and Fox Studios is notorious. That, that, that for was more than just Trank. That was a lot of different elements coming together. Them cutting him off like halfway through the filming and finishing it themselves. It, it 
you know, and the I'll, whole Twitter war that happened. It's so reminiscent of the uh, problems that plagued the production of Alien 3. And, um, yeah. Uh, that, that, like I said, that studio is notorious for their meddling in... Um, it's yeah. I, it's 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 nice though that studios have started to give indie directors a bit more say and control, and are you know uh, yeah. giving them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to uh, control over the film. Yeah, and they certainly didn't give Mr. Trank that, but he also responded in the worst way possible. So if you can see on your screen, a year ago I had a fantastic. You like that little pun there, guys? I had a fantastic version of this, and it would have received great reviews. You've probably never going to see it. That's reality, though. He posted that before the movie came out, and then, of course, you have uh, Max Landis at Up To My Knees on all of his uh, social media accounts, who was the writer of Chronicle and who's now the writer of all kinds of different films, uh, American Ultra, uh, Dirk Gently, the television series on the BBC, uh, doing an amazing, amazing job as of this upcoming blossoming writer, much better than Josh Trank's career mm-hmm. at the moment. But, uh, you know, kind of going at him, like, come on, dude, seriously. Like, we, we were cool in Chronicle, but now you're going to go on Twitter and, like, fuck over your own film before it even comes out? There's a reason why it didn't do too well. And part of it was that they said that that single tweet probably cost them about $10 million in lost revenue because he just shit-talked it. He shit-talked the movie. Mm-mm-mm. But I, I could see why. But, uh, again... 2017, man, is going to be rough. It is going to be it's rough. It's going to be and rough. We, we don't know what the uh, slate has in store for us as far as the original film films go because so many of those films are still wrapping up production and don't have a set release dates yet. But the ones that are already down the pipeline and being lined up to be released, it's not looking very pretty. Yeah. No, it's not. I'm and hoping that there's some there's some you know gems hidden there that are just going to sneak out, and there there is, there always is, yeah. there always is going to. Yeah, be. and again, you know, at the start of a year, all they do is post about the upcoming sequels and you know remakes and reboots because that's to be honest, what a lot of people start go into a um, a year ca- actually caring about. They're not going to carry about you know this tiny movie here or this small indie here which may not even be announced because they don't even know if they're making those things. But with these franchise films, they know they're making these things like 20 years ahead of time. So stuff like Cars 3, did you see that fucking trailer? Oh, God. You want to talk about the <laughs> oh begin of the end at, for the Hollywood system? When you are a goddamn company like Pixar Animated and you release a trailer like Cars 3 that basically made every small child kill themselves... That I, thing was depressing as I fuck. Don't, I don't understand why Pixar, a studio that is so well-renowned for their commercial and critical success, who has pumped out classic after classic after classic, has not yet seen the writing on the wall that we don't give a shit about the Cars franchise. They don't need to keep making those movies. The only reason they keep making them is um, like because they sell toys. They sell lots of toys. It, yeah, and again, it doesn't make any sense. If you want to sell toys, please don't make your little kids go fucking cry in the corner over your trailer. That shit was depressing as fuck, and it was only five seconds. It's literally Lightning McQueen driving around the track. All of a sudden, you get this voiceover. Everything's going to change. 
and then he flips the fuck over, slams into a wall, another car runs into him or some nonsense, and all of his parts start flying right. Basically, his guts, since That's he's a fucking living car, for a starts flying movie. left. And the best part about this is the fucking trailer had like a low saturation, so it was almost like close to being black and white. It was fucking depressing. It was fucking depressing. I think this is Pixar seeing that the last, the Cars 1 was just kind of mediocre, but Cars 2 was definitely the one that was uh, seen as the critical flop. And I think maybe they're trying to make it a bit more involving, a bit yeah. more, some more thematic depth to it, but they're going about it all wrong. And I can see this movie being a bit, I can go, going one of two ways. I think it'll do solid business or it'll be a complete bomb. It'll be a complete bomb. There we go. Damn, that problem was solved. I hope it. I hope it's a complete bomb, and then that we can put the nail in the coffin as far as cars goes. It is a complete bomb. Hey, uh, Mr. Weaver, producer of this program, how's the stream going? Oh, it's excellent. Good. Can you actually hear it? Yeah. All right. Well, where'd Michael go? All right. Anyway, 2018 mm-hmm. is going to be the end of it. 2017 is going to be the beginning of the end. But I really think that 2018 is going to be the end of it. And I'm not the only one. You have big names like George Lucas and Steven Spielberg years before this saying, oh, yeah, no, the film industry is definitely going to implode. Like, it's just going to destroy itself from the inside out. I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, what do you think is going to happen when ticket prices are constantly rising and Mm -hmm. um, the studios don't spend anything less than $200 million on their tentpole projects? They're putting all this money and faith into having each film gross a billion dollars. And last year, we had a high level of high-profile flops. I mean, even Steven Spielberg's own, the BFG, was a, a big financial failure for the studio. Um, it did well with review wise, but I think it was just. It, I don't is, know. is another movie no one fucking asked for, Stephen? Yeah, I don't care if you like the book. I don't care if kids like. the I book. I love the book, and I still didn't care. About I the movie. I could give a fuck less about that, Stephen. Stop making these fucking bullshitty little kids movies. I don't care about Pippin, even though that's not directed by you. It's uh, one. Of, it has a strong hand by you. I don't care about the BFG. Go, go back to making serious stories. It's so weird. Go back to making endearing stories. No one gives a fuck about a giant that takes a little girl from a window and rapes her in the mouth. You know, it's so funny that, you know, both uh, Ridley Scott and Steven Spielberg came around at the same time, and they careers kind of followed similar trajectories, whereas Steven Spielberg, is with his old age, is kind of going back to family-friendly movies. Uh, Ridley Scott is diving straight back into the sci-fi horror that got him popular in the first place. Sure. And, um... Uh, Ridley Scott's seeing the commercial success for that, and Steven Spielberg is not. Maybe Steven Spielberg's heart just wasn't in that movie, mm-hmm. um, or maybe, like you said, no one just gave a shit about it. No one gives a fuck, dog. No one gives a flying shit about these films, dude. There was another Disney remake. I think it was called The Peach Dragon. It was another live-action remake um, of one of their old live-action movies from back in the day. No, I heard it was good, but it also did really terrible at the box office and mm-hmm. fell off really quickly. Yeah. Um, their Tarzan remake or whatever. Yeah. Another high-profile bomb. Yeah. Um, Disney is not immune to this. No, it's not. And uh, you can still see Spielberg saying right here, on Wednesday predicting an implosion in the film industry is an inevitable whereby a half dozen or so $250 million movies. Oh, Steven, you still think movies cost 250 Maybe five years ago, you dick. Half a billion dollars or less. 
when they flop at the box office and alter the industry forever, and he's completely right. What is it going to take? It's going to take two to three, and I'm saying this as a fact, two to three of these $300 million monsters completely and utterly tanking. You saw what like one movie like John Carter of Mars did to that fucking studio. And you're like bankrupted the company for that year. One movie. I guarantee you, someone like Warner Brothers, someone like Paramount, two to three, three hundred million dollar failures. That's that's billions in loss. Or I think like at least a couple billion in loss. Paramount has because you're not just taking it into account the cost of the movie. What they expected to make is into account as well. So you're talking about a lot of money gone. Uh. I think um, Paramount might be the first to go. They have a lot riding on this Transformers movie coming out this Why, year. Why, though? It's like they the haven't, f- seventh one. Uh, their Paranormal Activity series is gone. Oh, um, yeah, they're not doing I wonder what Oron Pelly thinks about that. He ain't making no money no more, huh? Their new Rings movie is crashing and burning right now. Why? It's, Wait, is it out? Yeah, it came oh out. Oh, my God, the Rings movie is out? 6% on Rotten Tomatoes No, right it now. doesn't. Oh, <laughs> Oh no, no! And it's being killed by Split when it's third week. I didn't even week. know it was out. Yeah, it's being killed by Split in its uh, third week of release. Oh my God. <laughs> Paramount, <laughs> Paramount has um, two franchise movies coming out this year that they're hoping will save them: uh, Paramount, uh, Transformers Five, and Friday the Thirteenth. They're they're counting on Friday the thirteenth to pick them up. It's one. It's their second of their two big franchise. You, you movies. have a better chance of Annabelle two getting you some cash. No, Annabelle two is being directed though by the director of Lights Out, which was last year's big breakout. Why? No, it was uh, like it was last year's big breakout. I commer- know hit. what Lights Out was. I know, yeah. but why? And, and maybe it'll work because for some reason these mo- these horror movie sequels are doing really well. Like Ouija two. No one gave a fuck about Ouija 1, but when we uh, Ouija Board 2 came out, Apparently that was, and it actually did pretty well. Uh, it did well at the box office. And, and critically. Um, it was Platinum Dunes' very first film ever to get a fresh score on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, they're the production Man, hardcore company right there. They're the production company responsible for all those fucking awful horror remakes. Friday the 13th, Halloween, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, um... Amityville horror, sure, yeah, all all awful. But oh it, my god, the studio that finally had oh a big. Oh my com- god, that's amazing. Um, I'm really hoping that transform. I'm I'm honestly hoping that Transformers flops and then causes Paramount to kind of fold or at least reevaluate or reorganize or whatever, because they haven't had a good movie come out in a long time. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Either that or Warner Brothers. I don't know. Warner Brothers is probably safe because yeah. they have the DC Universe and the new um, Fantastic Beasts where to find them. I got I got to look up rings. I got to. I got to. 5.1, 19 on Metacritic or oh, here's Metascore. A, here's something to make it, It's a little off topic. We, may, we might be able to talk about what? it a Hold little on, bit. Hold on one sec. Here it is. There it goes. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> no. Three positive oh. reviews amongst 51. Negative. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. Ah, oh, that sucks. First you watch and then you die. Which is really saddening because the first film is so good. And it's one of my favorite horror films. One of my favorite films probably released in the last 15 years. I feel that. Um, but Paramount has got a lot writing mm-hmm. on a Friday. It had a lot writing on this, too. This movie was shot three years ago and then continually reshot and delayed up until the January-February dumping ground. Um, it didn't give you any real hope about the quality 
or anything like that. But um, I was surprised that it did as bad as it, it did as bad as it did. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of puts a stop to the you know trend that we saw in horror movies doing really well critically and commercially. It's, and um, the slate again. Is it's it's gonna take at least three for these major studios. Warner Brothers might get by because they have so many like subsidiary ownerships. Like they they have their hand in all kinds of pots. But their movie industry. Yeah, I, I think you're right. The little little distributors are going to go, and then it's going to be one big one. It's going to be like a Paramount, or it's going to be it's, it's going to be one of them. It'll probably be no, Disney. It won't. No, it won't. Oh, no, no, I no. thought you said to take over. No, Disney no, no, is no. safe. Yes, Disney's always safe. Disney has its hands in literally everything. It's one of those top five conglomerate companies that Disney, control like half of the fucking world. Disney's become the Umbrella Corporation. <laughs> Disney is the Umbrella Corporation. You know, Mickey Mouse is going to survive far after they've released the T-Virus and changed <laughs> us all. He's going to be roaming the, the, the desolated islands that used to be goddamn Florida and the Pacific n- Southwest. <laughs> and he's just going to be shooting people in the head and stabbing people and just, he will rule this country. Mickey Mouse will tear us all apart. It's gonna happen. I mean, he he's been uh, Mickey Mouse has been with the, theory. Mickey Mouse has though been with the cinema yeah. industry since the beginning. It's the first animated movie ever made. So yeah, yeah. Disney is safe. Disney's not going anywhere. It'll be no, Paramount. It, it, it'll the biggest one will probably be Paramount. They're gonna they're gonna do two two or three stinkers. It'll, you know, they're gonna lose about a bill that, and then they're gonna go down. That'll be a really symbolic death too, because Paramount is the last of the big six studios whose headquarters are still located in Hollywood. Mm. Mm. And they've had a Hollywood's lot. gonna become a shithole after mm-hmm. that because everything's already moving to you know Atlanta and New York and like other little places around the country. But eventually, once one of these big studios fold and the rest of them either kind of reevaluate what kind of movies they make and pick themselves up and leave or else stay and they fold too. Hollywood itself as a city, as a place to be, is going to become like fucking Compton. Well, and like I, like we said before the break, that's not going to be necessarily a bad thing. Hollywood has become such a like parody of itself, and it's become such a cesspool of unoriginality and just trash and garbage. And not just with movies, but with television and with celebrities and with behavior and everything that we see from them now on, on a week-to-week basis. Um, there's no real like life there, really. Yeah. There's no creativity. There's nothing to get behind. No. It's all just garbage. It's crap. And it, it will be kind of... It's absolute total crap. It'll be really cathartic, honestly, to see the Hollywood system crash and burn after churning out so much crap. Yeah. And uh, sequel after sequel, garbage after garbage, all those awful Adam... Garbage after garbage. uh, All those... Shit after dirty shit. All those studio-mandated Adam Sandler comedy movies are going to be gone. Oh, fuck. He's going to retire early. He's already miserable as it is. Movies like that, those like gross-out, awful, stupid studio comedy movies, um, studio horror movies are going to be gone, and uh, it'll go back to the independent studios, which have been churning out great material in the last couple of years. And even more so than that, I think the replacement which already is in place, but I think the major replacement is going to be digital marketing mm-hmm. or the digital market. It's going to be all online. Netflix and Amazon have shown us that you can get a movie distributed to a wide audience without it being in theaters. I mean, we look at and, last and year's... even like... Yeah, go ahead. Look at last year's A Hush, a movie that has a 100% ranking on Rotten Tomatoes and is being claimed one of the best horror movies to come out in a long time. Produced for under a million dollars, and I think Netflix brought, bought the rights for that for the same amount or whatever. 
and um, yeah, they usually pay like the value of the movie. Yeah, they they let you make your money back, and they give you some on the back end. And then you make royalties off of it from you know video. That's what I'm saying. And they, streaming. They, they and let you make money on the back end, but they're not gonna give you a huge deal unless you're like Dave Chappelle. Then they'll give you sixty million dollars. But no, it's it's gonna switch all to the digital market. It already has, and even television is going that way as well. I think it's, it's, it's a godsend for television because so much great original. But television's content. not going to die. Television was like the film of what we consider now. A few years ago, people think television was going to die up until you know The Walking Dead, The Game, Game everyone, of Thrones, Breaking Bad. Everyone thought that Netflix was going to kill television, and yeah. it's actually given it a rebirth. It's, it it uh, gave it a rebirth, but Hollywood's not doesn't have an opponent. Hollywood doesn't have that much of an opponent opponent besides Netflix and Amazon, and they don't really care right now. They care. That's the bad part. They don't care. And television had an opponent. They had something to live up to. Otherwise, they were going to fail. Hollywood doesn't think it has that. Hollywood thinks it's too big to fail. Nothing's too big to fail. It, it, and it's going to fail. It'll be in the least expected to. So it'll, it'll be one of these movies. I, I'm guaranteeing you, at least one or two of these movies are going to be huge bombs. Yep. These 250 million plus productions. One of them is going to bomb this year. And then in 2018, when the slate, um, I was reading an article that for 2018 there were as many. Uh, 150 million plus productions coming out that year as there are weeks in the year so it's yeah. going to be one after another after another after another yeah. and they're all going to cannibalize each other's sales N- no movie is going to make anywhere near the amount of money that they've been making in the past or maybe we could be completely wrong maybe we'll have a record-breaking run but i feel like that's a that's like the very very best yeah. case scenario right there yeah, sure it'll <laughs> probably be somewhere in the middle it's gonna be bad no. So here's the timeline of the death of Hollywood. <laughs> you have the, an example studio, maybe like Paramount and something. They put out a movie, it sucks. They put out a movie, it sucks. They're starting to hurt their distribution, their distribution sister companies, those little things like the roadsides and stuff. They start to already fall under. Then you have someone like Lionsgate. If they can't keep up, they're going to fall under. But Paramount releases a third movie. $300 million in the tank. They put everything on it. All their chips are on red, and that fucking thing rolls to black. They're done. And at that point, if Hollywood is as stubborn as it is now, it will continue to cannibalize itself until there's nothing left. But I would like to think that something like Warner Brothers, as they are left to survive, will reevaluate, change their marketing position, put more towards the digital market, and move the fuck out of California. I think it's great that we have uh, Atlanta, um, even here in Louisville, not so much to Atlanta, and all over the world and all over the country. Um, I, Dallas is becoming a big film market. Sure. Seattle, Vancouver. Yes. A lot of productions are moving to Canada because it's so much cheaper to film there. And there's so much great scenic beauty to exploit there, too. Yeah. I think it's fantastic, honestly, that the movie industry is becoming less centralized yeah. in California and it's spreading out because then we can get more diverse talent in yes. it. We can get more f- creative, fresh, original ideas. Yes. And that is what is really killing Hollywood is that there's just no fresh originality anymore. I mean, I hate to keep going back to it, but the low-budget horror independents that we got last year were all fresh and all new and exciting. And I think that there is an audience for that type of material. People do want to see original ideas just as much as they want to see sequels or remakes. Yep. And um, the thing between originals and reboots and sequels is sequels would get tired after a while and no one wants to go watch them. Whereas people will always be willing to take a chance with a new idea to yep. see if it sticks. Absolutely. 
Absolutely, and it's just it's going to be depressing, but it's not going to be depressing for you as an entertainment consumer. It's going to be depressing for you if you rely on this kind of unionization and you rely on this kind of industry to strive at all because a lot of those cranked out movies, those cranked out jobs where you can sit on a set for six, seven months, go to the next one right off the bat, it's just not going to happen. Mm-mm. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to work at it. A studio is going to fail, and either they're going to rethink what they put out, but more importantly, they're probably not going to do that. What they're going to do is put out less. You're going to be going to the movies less. You're going to be seeing movies released less, and studios are going to make movies less. Movies aren't going to become like Even less than they do now. It's not going to be the assembly line, like, copy, paste, stamp, next one, do the same thing They're going to realize that they're not as impenetrable as they might think, so... And they've started releasing fewer and fewer movies because they put more and more money into them. But now it's just going to be less money and even fewer movies. You know, you'll see three or four from Warner. You'll see one or two from this, two or three from this section of Disney, and two or three from this section of Disney. Disney's not going to be fucking cranking out, all right, Beauty and the Beast, ba-bam, Jungle Book, ba-bam, here you go, some animated films, (laughs) ba-bam, directed DVDs, ba-bam. It's not going to be like that. It's not going to be like that. No one's going to be like that. The only people that are going to be like that are Netflix. They're going to continue to make original content mm-hmm. one after the other because their marketing system, their distribution system is cheap as fuck. All they have to do is keep the infrastructure up and they can put up whatever they want on Netflix. So they have no distribution costs. Okay, They, they have barely any of like marketing costs. Because everyone goes to Netflix. What are they marketing to? <laughs> no commercials. They, they, they do some commercials here and there. They do some billboard advertising, but they don't have to shove Transformers into people's fucking McDonald's Happy Meals. They don't do that. You don't go to to Burger King and see the Luke Cage special. Well, Netflix, and when they when they show you a show, they're not trying to sell you anything other than the show. When you go see a show on TV or watch a movie in the theater, they're trying to sell you on so many different fucking things. You but, literally go and you walk from the popcorn stand to the theater. You probably pass twenty fucking different movies. And in the movie itself, all no, the product, not like it's showing, yeah, but like yeah. billboards, those yeah. big poster things, those cardboard cutouts. Even within the movie. Itself, it's like the 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 toys that you buy afterwards, or the product placement that's within the movie. It's so in your face, yep. And it's so go buy, buy, buy. I mean, that's just kind of ca- how buy, capitalism. Buy. That's how a capitalist society buy, works buy, in general. Buy. But that's a totally different discussion. Of course, it is. Um, Hollywood is going to perish, and soon they're not going to survive. It's not going to be a quick death. And either. for us, it's, it's not going to be that big of a deal. And if you're an independent filmmaker, it's probably going to be even a bigger deal for you because if they do actually reevaluate what the fuck they put out there, they're probably going to do a much better job at it. Mm-hmm. I decided to go with uh, a little bit of a sandbag music here. <laughs> Y'all know us. The Assault on Precinct 13. Any closing words about the death of Hollywood? I know that's so hacky. No fucking radio host should ever go. So, uh, anything else? Final thoughts. Final thoughts there, <laughs> no, Jerry? I, the death is not going to be a slow one. It's not going to be a, f- a quick one. It's going to be slow, and it's not going to hurt us. It's going to hurt those big wigs in the suits and the studios, and that's exactly who needs to hurt because they've been churning out crap for far too long, and it's time for... Just like all those big wigs in uh, Washington, it's time for them to <laughs> the, go. The big wigs in Washington. Hold on there, fella. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, but it's if you're time an independent filmmaker, go. it may be your time. And if you're a consumer, 
you know what all this is going to mean is less trips to the theater, less money spent on popcorn, and less fucking crying kids to have to deal with. You'll just be able to sit at home and enjoy all the content you want. C&D Radio, I hate your movie. 2016 in memoriam, we'll catch you next time where we'll go back to our John Carpenter series and review Ghosts of Mars. And not just Ghosts of Mars, Ghosts of Mars Live. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. C&D Radio coming at you. Louisville, Kentucky. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.